you're wondering uh, why, we're, uh, why we're covering so much ground, uh, if you look at the titles, it says Exodus 16 through 40. Uh, we'll just go verse by verse all the way through. Uh, can be here for a little while. Uh, I, I want to use this series uh, as a way of just kind of broadening our sort of scope of the whole scripture and just look at a big picture sort of what is the wider narrative going on, but getting kind of the Exodus story down and fresh in our memories, because we'll take a look uh, in a couple of weeks, uh, we're going to look at the book of Ruth, and we'll see how Exodus happens in Ruth, and we'll, we'll look at kind of walking through a lot of different scriptures and show how God is in the business of taking people from one condition and walking them through and delivering them miraculously into something better. And uh, there is that story replaying and echoing throughout all of the Bible. And so right now we're just kind of taking a broad look at what's going on in the story. And I wanted to just remind us of last week's message. Last week I spent time just talking about the sort of ignorance of God. The exile for the Israelites. Remember the Israelites are in Egypt for 400 years and that's exile. They are enslaved. They are, uh, they are in a difficult situation. And what that has presented them is this problem. It's a twofold problem. And that is there's an ignorance of God and there's a lack of knowledge or an awareness of God's presence. So they've forgotten who he is. And so the first 15 chapters of Exodus is all about teaching the Israelites and Pharaoh this is the Lord God Almighty. Like the one who all of the plagues and all of the, uh, the sort of debate that's going on between Pharaoh and all of this sort of uh, uh, battle between the gods is showing that the Lord God Almighty is Yahweh, the God of Israel, and no God compares to him. And so we, tr uh, we drew out some of the passages that said all of these things were that they would know who the Lord God was. So it's about knowledge, that they would just know him. And I, I hinted at, or I tried to maybe uh, encourage you with and plant the seed that discipleship is twofold, that there is the knowledge of God, and for us as Christians, it's the knowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, and then that discipleship then is also, it's battling the ignorance problem of who is God, and us believing that to be Jesus, and then the second half of Exodus is really the second half of what discipleship is. And that is an awareness of the presence of God. And, and Kevin, it just worked out well that today's passage was an encouragement and a reminder to all of us as Christians that there is an advocate that is here, that God's presence is here, that he is here through his spirit. And so this morning I want to take a moment and talk to you and encourage you in your life about understanding and knowing that God is with you. God is with you. Let's pray and we'll continue. Heavenly Father, help us to be aware this morning. Aware of who you are, a knowledge of you. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, through your Spirit, sent here to comfort us and guide us and convict us in righteousness and sin and judgment, to know that you, God our Father, is Lord over all of creation. And Lord, we know this about you, and we, we ask for your constant reminders of who you are and of your goodness and who we are in light of you. 
And today, God, we, we ask for your help to remind us of your presence, that we would know that you are here with us in the good times and the bad times and the times in between. God, that we are not alone, that your presence is here with us and that we are deeply loved by you. So in our sharing this morning, Lord, of reading your word and walking through scripture, help us to see you and hear from you. Know that you're present here with us today. Lord, we need to know you and we want to be with you. We ask that you would continue to tear down the barriers of things that have kept us from knowing that and, and experiencing it. Lord, that we would be open to you today through your spirits in Jesus' name, amen. That's just it, isn't it? There's some distractions. <laughs> There's some difficulties. <laughs> Always know that God is with us. Uh, perhaps you have uh, found yourself in situations in life where you asked the questions that the Israelites asked. Why did you do this? <laughs> Where are you? Are you among us or not? And today's text is just a simple story, and, and I've, I've been kind of kicking this around for a while. It's like, what passage do we draw out from? Like in Exodus 16 through 40, you get a bunch of stuff. I mean, you get the golden calf story. You get the Ten Commandments. You get the tabernacle. I thought we would walk through all of the tabernacle details, you know, and we could just go through all the numbers, run the numbers for a while. I know that would thrill you. And we could talk about those de uh, details. We could run through some of the genealogy stuff. I know that gets everybody amped up. Uh, it's like, whoo, genealogy day, woo-hoo. Uh, but today, I just want to spend time with this important text that sort of lays the groundwork and the framework for everything that God's actually going to do. And it, it just sort of encapsulates everything uh, that was uh, difficult for the Israelites, and it sort of sets us on the trajectory of the story. And so just leading up to 1 through 16, what we have uh, is, you know, God rescuing the Israelites. They've crossed through the, uh, onto the other side of the Red Sea. They are out of Egypt. Pharaoh's army is behind them and washed into the sea. And now they are on the trajectory towards the promised land. In Exodus 17, then, the whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded them. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. And Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us out of Egypt to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. It's like, God, why did we go through all of that? And now here we are, we don't have a drink of water, and they're getting ready to throw some hand grenades my way. And the Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff, staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock, and water will come out for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the place Massa and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled 
and because they tested the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? Is the Lord among us or not? The Israelites found themselves in a situation where they are desperate in thirst. And we have all maybe experienced a, a thirst in which it's like, man, I'd just give anything for a drink of water. On a hot summer day, or you know, you've been working really hard, and it's like, just give us something to drink. And the people have arrived at this sort of situation. It's this big question of like, you've taken us all the way through all of this, and here we are, and we're just going to come out here and die of thirst. And in fairness, it's, it's a legitimate argument, right? I mean, it's, it, it's a fair assessment that God has taken them out of this situation, and now they're wondering, uh, you know, can I get a drink of water? Well, God, uh, God is looking at this situation, and, and Moses, is, uh, Moses is frustrated as can be, and it's all legitimate questions. But it's a question of, is the Lord among us or not? And maybe we could phrase it in other ways. Is God trustworthy? Is God one that I can trust? When things are difficult, when things aren't going the way that I thought they would, is God there for me? Is God able to provide for me? Is God one that is going with me or is he against me? Is God going to see me through this, or is God doing something else? Is he preoccupied with bigger problems than mine? The people are asking questions that we have all ourselves asked time and time again when things haven't gone the way we thought they would. So this little story, this little story is a microcosm of the story that's told over and over again. Later on, they're going to be hungry. God's going to send them manna every day. And every day, it's a reminder to them that God is there, that God is their provider, and that God is going to bless and care for them and meet their needs. In preparation for this message, I considered eating the same thing over and over and over again, uh, like the same thing every day, because the people started complaining about the manna, right? Like, and I think we all probably would have complained. I know that we would complain because... Um, I get on Facebook, and you guys complain about everything else, too, you know, and it's like, we're, uh, we're complainers at heart, aren't we? And God is dealing with this complaining people, this quarrelsome people, this people that are easily tempted and easily dissuaded to believe that God is with them and that God can provide. And if we were to give ourselves a sort of grade, I think we probably, some days are really good and in other days, uh, we're failing miserably in the trust department with God, right? You have your good days and your bad days. And for me, it's just kind of like, what can we do this morning to be of encouragement? Instead of reminding us of uh, how much we complain, maybe, maybe we should look at what God is doing. Uh, the story will go that they'll They'll uh, get water here, and they'll get manna there, and uh, Moses will ascend uh, Mount Sinai, and he'll receive the Ten Commandments, and then there's the whole fiasco with the golden calf, and they worship the golden calf, and they say the dumbest thing ever, right? They say, this is the God that delivered us out of Israel, and they just fashioned it with their hands, and you know, this gigantic insult to God, and there's this big problem, and that generation doesn't get to go into the promised land, and then the rest of the journey, what should have taken a week takes them 40 years to get to the promised land. 
And so the question that we sh- uh, can ask of this text, uh, of this story is, is why does it take 40 years when it should only have taken a week? Are they, you know, just bad with the directions or is God trying to do something? In preparation for this message, I read the book called uh, The Land Between by Jeff Mannion and it was, uh, he's one of my favorite authors and you should pick up the book, it's great, Jeff Mannion, The Land Between. And uh, I just wanted to get a sense, uh, like a pastoral sense uh, of what God is doing and Jeff makes this excellent argument and he says that the land between, The land between being there's Egypt, what you're called out of, and Canaan, the promised land of what you're called to. There is this land in between where it's this sort of testing ground of will you trust God? Will you learn him to be your provider? Will he care for you? There is a testing ground. And the land between is the the story between Exodus 16 and Exodus 40 is this sort of long journey of 40 years of these people learning, will they trust in God? And all of us have found ourselves in the land between situation. Are all of you where you want to be today? Are all of you exactly where you thought God would take you? Are you still journeying with God and still learning from him and learning to trust in him? Are you, you know... And you can find yourself anywhere on the sort of spectrum of it. Some of you have been faithful for, for 60 years, and you would still say, I'm not quite there yet. And others would find themselves at the beginning of their faith journey, and they would say, I'm definitely not there yet. There's still a few kinks to work out. But all of us are in the land between, and what, what we need to know is the land between is a testing ground of our faith. And there are two things that can come out of the testing ground. And what was common in the Israelite story was bitterness and complaint. What was common when things got hard and they were backed up against the wall, they started to complain. They complained when they were backed up against the Red Sea. And it's like, oh gee, well we got out of Egypt, but here we are and we're just going to die. Or here's a, here's a space with no water. Uh, you just wanted us to die of thirst. Or we're out here in the middle of this desert and there's no food for us. You just wanted us to die of hunger. We would have been better off back in Egypt. We would have been better off had you not ever interrupted our lives. The Israelites, they were great at complaining. They were great at grumbling and and questioning leadership and questioning uh, Moses and what he was up to and questioning God and wondering if he was there with them or not. And so the land between can be a place where we start wondering, is God with me? Is God with me in this struggle? Is God with me in my marriage? Is God with me in my finances? Is God with me in my work? Is God with me in the sickness of my child? Is God with me in all of this suffering? Is God with me in this grief? Is God with me at the loss of my mom? Is God with me at the loss of my spouse? Is God with me? Does he care about me? Why did you do this, God? The land between is a place where we find ourselves complaining and grumbling and wondering. And that's one path. That's one path that you can take, but the land between also offers us something far richer and far better if we could just have the lens and mind and heart to see it. That the land between and the land of testing, the land of struggle can be a time and a moment in our lives in which we learn that God is providing, 
that God is caring for you, that God is with you, and it can refine your faith, it can strengthen you, it can renew you. That the greatest struggles in our lives become the greatest things that refine us and help us to look more and more like Jesus Christ every day. And so it's a question of how do we navigate the land between? How do we navigate life when it feels like nothing is going right? When there is so much hurt and so much suffering and so much anguish in our hearts and our lives and we wonder, is God with us or not? And the book of Exodus is this invitation to everyone who would read it to see that the God of Israel is the God who provides water in the desert out of a rock, who is one who provides manna from heaven, who is a God who paves the way and opens the door that they would come in and be uh, welcomed into the promised land. There's such great stories. Moses having his arms lifted up and held high against the Amalekites, you know. Great Sunday school stories. You know, flannel graph rich stories. Stories of faith in which God proves himself to be faithful and powerful and able to deliver, that there is no God who compares to the God of Israel. So we have to ask ourselves this question, what sort of Israelites do we fit in with? The ones who looked across the Jordan River and went in and the spies who went in and inspected the land and they saw that it was a great and wonderful land. They said, God's going to give it to us. Or the ones who come back and complain and they say, well, it was pretty special there were some people there that were really big and they looked mean and we're all going to die. What camp do you find yourself in? It's so easy. Trust me, I know, I know. It is easy to be in the camp of complaint. So easy to see all that's wrong and point it all out and say, there's no chance, and it's just keep complaining and complaining. It is so easy. But we are invited and we are called to see that there is a God who provides. A God who will provide the way who's greater than any enemy that they would face, who's greater than any threat against their life. We know this to be true because we know the story of Jesus Christ. We know this to be true because when Jesus stands on the side of a mountain, he says, don't worry about tomorrow, for each day has enough trouble of its own. Look at the fields and the grass and look at the birds in the sky and look at how God provides for them. How much more will he care for and provide for you? And we have Jesus who stands on a mountainside and he breaks bread and he gives thanks and he becomes the living bread and he shares the bread of life with those who are around him. We come to Jesus and we see him and he's the living water. He's the one who will provide nourishment and strength for us. He's the one who will provide for you. He is your life and your hope and your redemption. We know that God provides because he provided us Jesus. And so we, we don't sit in the camp of complaint. 
We rest in the presence of Christ. You know, the wonderful thing about the story of Exodus is all about a God who wants you to rest, wants you to eat, and wants you to worship. The book of Exodus is about parties, hanging out with God, and spending time with family. And he tells you how to party, and that's a God worth worshiping. He wants you to have life and rest, and he wants you to know that he is able to provide. And as all of us find ourselves in this sort of land between, where we aren't 100% where we want to be, the question is, will you trust him? Will you trust God as the provider? We trust God as present. And we trust in his power. Know that he is with you and he loves you and he cares deeply for you. Let's stand in that camp. Let's rest in his strength. Let's trust in the power and presence of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. And it can be hard in the land between not to be filled with complaint and anger and hurt and grief. Lord, you know of grief and sorrow. You know of pain and suffering. Lord, you know of the experiences that we all have faced. And Lord, for the times of testing, for the times where we have doubted you, where we've doubted of your grace for us and our sin, your mercy for us and our sin, where we have doubted of your presence in the midst of difficult situations. Lord, we, we pray that you would forgive us. We pray that we would set aside the guilt of those things of our past, and today, God, we would live a new life in you that today we would start our journey fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who endured suffering, who endured shame, so that we would be forgiven of our sins, that we would be able to walk with you, know that we are in your presence and we're with you. God, we look to you and we fix our eyes on Jesus, our provider, the living bread, the living water, Lord, we walk with you and we fix our eyes on you today. In this land between, we fix our eyes on heaven. Give us strength and encouragement. Provide for us, God, please, all that we need. And when the words of complaint come from our lips, let us hear it, Lord, and be convicted by it. To know that if you are with us, we have all we need. We love you, God, and we praise you. Convict our hearts now. Open our minds to you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. I wrote down a couple of questions, a few questions to ask when you find yourselves in the land between. What should I do when I find myself 
in the land between, when I'm in that long journey of where I'm not where I want to be and I don't know what to do next. So asking a few questions, and I wrote them down for you. What area in my life am I lacking in trust? How am I not relying on God? What area in my life do I need to take to God in prayer? Is there an area in my life where I complain frequently? Is there a a bitter root growing that needs removed? How is God transforming work happening all around me? Do I see and experience his presence, the presence of God in my life? And maybe with a little heart inspection and a little inspecting of our surroundings, we'd be reminded of our own brokenness, but reminded of God's presence and his faithfulness. I hope this was an encouragement to you to know that God is with you and God loves you. Let's continue in our worship.